Did you notice anything about the, um, the uh, sheets I sent home? Maybe you would have noticed it if you were a couple, if you looked at the sheets. I actually had five different ones, although it looked like they were all the same, same one. Um, primarily because I wanted to look at a few different things as we go through this morning. So we're going to be looking at both the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 this morning, primarily on the feeding of the 5,000. We'll start off by looking at the time leading up to the feeding of the 5,000 and and just, we just want to look at um, things that happened because as you look at the different passages, there are different things. Um, From there, we'll look at different points of view from the feeding. So we'll, we'll focus in on maybe the disciples or the crowd. And then I have a question after that that I, I just contemplated um, as I was going through this that I thought we'd spend a little bit on. And then look at the differences between the two and some of the symbolism that's associated with feeding of the five and feeding of the four. And then we'll wrap it up. But let's start off with a prayer. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for him as our Savior. We thank you for him coming into this world and performing various miracles. And as John says at the end of his book, that these are included so that we may believe. And Father, I pray that as we go through the class this morning, you'll open our eyes, our minds, our hearts to what you want us to see. And it's his name we pray. Amen. So, <clears throat> we're going to start off looking at different, uh, at Jesus' mindset, if you will, as he was leading, coming into the feeding of the 5,000. And we're going to look at it from both, from all four Gospels. Um, <clears throat> if you want to turn over to Matthew 14, beginning in verse 1. You'll see the story of John the Baptist being um, in prison, the party, um, the beheading of John the Baptist. And then it's going to pick up um, and right, it's going to turn into the feeding of the 5,000. So if anybody has Matthew 14, verses 12 through the first sentence of 13. If you could read it really loud, if I can ask someone to do that. Okay. So, what do you think Jesus' mindset is here? Sorrow. Now, whose disciples were these that came and talked to Jesus? 
John's disciples. So maybe he was sad. And then immediately what, what happens there in the first part of 13? It says that he goes to a solitary place. So maybe he wants some alone time to ponder this. Um, but I think overall he's still confident in God's will. I mean, he's there for a purpose. He has to um, consider this from a human perspective, but he's there for a purpose. So let's turn over to Mark 6, verses 30 through 32. Now, in this case, we have to step back just a little bit. In verse 7, beginning in verse 7, Jesus sends out the 12 to do various uh, signs, wonders, and things among the people. And then we have, again, the story of John the Baptist beheading. But then if we pick it up in Mark 6, verse 30, if someone can read loudly, uh, Mark 6, 30 through 32. Okay, what's the mindset of Christ here? What was that? He's taking care of his people. What else? You think he's excited about the stories that the disciples are bringing him? He sees in them a need to rest. He sees in them a need to eat. They've been out. Um, and Danny told me this week, I, had, I didn't go back and try to verify this. And I trust Danny. She, she knows her stuff. She says that they were actually out for like 60 days doing these things. And so... But they, they seemed excited. In this case, it's now Jesus' disciples that... What did I do? It's now Jesus' disciples that confront him before the feeding of the 5,000. In, in Matthew, it was John's disciples, and now it's Jesus' disciples. Let's go over to Luke 9, 1 through 10. We'll see something similar here in Luke as we do in Mark, where Jesus sent out the 12, and they've come back, and he hears their stories, and he goes off to um, um, seek solitude with them. So I'm not really going to spend a lot of time here, because it's, it's pretty much the same um, account. A little bit different, but, but pretty much the same. But if we look at John 6, 1 through 4, there's a slightly different account as well as we lead into the feeding of the 5,000. <clears> Here, well, if someone can read verses 1 through 4 of John 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. 
Okay. So he's seemingly by himself as he goes across the lake, and he's on a mountainside. His disciples join him, and then he sees the people. But then there's this comment about the Passover feast, which, um, as I read and studied, you know, as we look at these different intros into the feeding of the 5,000, it's possible, although I decided to table it, I I wasn't going to really spend time today, but it's possible there may have been more than one feeding of 5,000. But as you look at this, he's, and, and so what the comment was, is that the people may have been on their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. And so he's already seen a need here with the people. Um, but he sits and rests with his disciples, and he may be understanding, as I said, that um, the crowd is headed to Jerusalem for the Passover. So, now that we've looked at the intros, what conclusions do you come to based on what we've just seen about Jesus? He's in the moment. He's present in the moment to do what needs to be done. If we go here, then here. Yeah, and I didn't bring that up. That's a great point. What typically does Jesus do when he goes to a solitary place? He prays. Gets strength ready for the next thing. Okay. Okay. Everybody hear that? Well put. You know, one of the things that I picked up on here on this is that he meets people where they're at, but he himself had a lot going on at the time with John's death, with the disciples coming to him and telling about their stories to considering, you know, the Passover. And so he's got this before entering into um, the, the feedings. Have you ever felt this way where you have a lot going on in, inside of you that you just can't really focus on one thing? That there's just a lot. I'm going to raise my hand. Anybody else, can they raise their hand? You don't have to, but I, I, I'm willing to bet at one point in time we've all felt this way. And we can relate to Jesus in this, that he himself might have had lots of things going on at that time. Um, <clears throat> but, as was pointed out, Jesus is all things to all people, and he meets us where we need to be met. 
So we're going to transition now into looking at different points of view. Um, I guess I was one behind. We're going to look at the disciples first, then the crowd, or excuse me, then Philip, then the crowd, then the boy, and then Jesus. And some of the scriptures we're going to look at are going to be the same, but we're only going to be focusing on the part of the scripture that represents that point of view, if you will. And I tried to bring in all of the gospel's accounts um, into the, the story here. So let's start with the disciples. So they're already, um, the people are already there, and as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Um, the disciples want to send them away to, to solve this, the problem of, of the food. But Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And we'll le- see later that it's Philip who says, that would take more than a half year's wage. Um, but then Jesus breaks down the problem, and he, there's some that's left out here. Obviously, he gets the, the, the um, bread and the fish, and he's um, telling them to divide up the people into groups of 50 uh, and 100. And then he, he blesses the food, um, he breaks it, and he gives, them the, gives it to the disciples for them to distribute. So we start off by saying, um, you give them something to eat. And he finishes here by actually giving them food to give to the people. And then the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. So these are just some of the highlights from the disciples' perspective. What do you take from this? If we're just looking at the disciples' point of view. Yeah. Where is this food coming from? I mean, first they say it's going to take half a year's wage, right? But where is this food coming from? What else? That's true. On the flip side, do you think that they performed miracles for thousands of people when they were? I mean, they're, they're still limited in what their scope of what God can do, I think, to your point. But I agree with you, they should have. So, what else? I see the disciples trying to get, away, get rid of the problem. They, they, they think that it's too big, as we were just talking about. Um, my question for us is, when we see a need, do we see an inconvenience, or do we see a way to help? 
Because I kind of think that, you know, with the disciples, you know, we're going to look at what a year's wage means and how much food that really meant. But um, <clears throat> they see this as a really big problem. And they, they, they're not in the mindset of trying to figure out a way to help. They're in a mindset of, it's too big for me. Yeah. I don't know if I can either. Yeah. Well, the last bullet I, I have up here, I think, kind of speaks to them to break down the problem into something that seems it's more manageable. And anytime we have big tasks in our own lives, we are, you know, if, if you just look at, let's say, you're going to um, put a fence in your yard. If you look, just look at that big project, you might seem overwhelmed by how big of a project that is. But then you have to break it down into smaller things. You gotta set the posts, well dig the holes, set the posts, um, and then continue on piece by piece. And so I, I think maybe Jesus wanted them to see how to break down the problem a little bit. I don't know if that's the right answer, but I think that that's what I came away with it. Yeah, breaking it down, yeah. Ramona? Because having those six to eight people just seems overwhelming when you first think about it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, that there's a lesson here for us on how we approach things as well. Okay, so let's now switch over to Philip. Philip is one of the disciples, obviously, but, um, and this is only in John that we see this interaction. And, it almost seems like Jesus is, um, well, it even says he's testing Philip. Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And, he's, and it says he asks us only to test him. And this is where Philip comes back and says it would take more than a half year's wage just for everyone to have one bite. And so he's seeing this as a big issue. Um, he's focusing on the money aspect, the big problem. Um, do we ever face issues with how it cannot be done versus how it can be done? 
You know, those of you that have children, there's been many times that I've asked my kids to do something. And you probably have better experiences than I do. And, you know, maybe you can teach me on this. But what I hear back is, well, I've got to do this. I'm supposed to be doing this over here. Um, I've got to do this first. And it's all about what they can't do to do what I've asked them to do. And sometimes I'll, I'll come up with a statement sort of like, well, I've, I've, I'm hearing what you're saying of how you can't do it, but I'm asking you, how can you do it? And so, you know, it's, I think, am I the only one, only parent who's been in that situation? Can't never could, that's good. Exactly. I, I may be one of those people, by the way. Maybe. Uh, my wife's laughing at me. but um, But the interesting point that I want to make here is that Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that we can't already do. And that's the point that, um, or that's not possible. Um, It may seem that way, yes. But I think that's the lesson that I'm trying to pull from this, that with God, it's not po- it is possible. And, um, but let's look a little bit about this. So, half a year's wage. A denarius is considered to be about a day's wage. And about a 200 denarii is considered a half year's wage. Well, I had a hard time putting that into today's um, financial terms because you know one person might think of a day's wage uh, of a day's wage as this amount, another person might think of it as this other amount. So I decided to take another approach of. Um, looking at what a per meal cost would be. We've been to Baker City um, on mission trips and Caldwell, although I didn't participate this year in the the mission part of the trip. And my wife has been one of the cooks. Also, David's wife has been David Burnett's wife. And I've been involved, being the analytical person, of trying to help them come up with a grocery list. To make a long story short, when you have 60 people that you're feeding, 19 meals I have, with a budget of about $3,500, that comes out to about $3.07 a meal. So if we take that, and I'm going to 
I'm going to use up to 20,000 for the feeding of the 5,000 and up to um, 16,000 for the feeding of the 4,000. The feeding of the 5,000 would cost over $61,000. And the feeding of the 40, uh, 16,000 would be about $49,000. And, okay, so bread is probably cheaper than, than that. Fish may not be cheaper, you know. If you were to go and eat out, for 19 meals. Would you average $3.07 eating out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe you had lunch, you had a burrito from Taco Bell. You know, you might be able to get underneath that amount as long as you had water. You know, but so this is probably, you know, I, I don't know. We, we don't really know, but this is just to put it in our minds of how much it would cost. Well, but what about how much food? Okay. If we assume that everybody eats a third of a loaf, and I'm not thinking a third of a loaf of bread like we are, but, you know, the loaves of bread were probably about this, this big. A third of a loaf of bread for 20,000 people is like, you know, almost 6,700 loaves of bread. For, you know, up to 16,000 people, it's like 5,300 loaves of bread. Well, how are you going to transport that? Okay. Well, maybe you... <laughs> 6,700 loaves of bread is like 1.6 semi-truck of bread. I mean, that's just, when we start looking at it from this perspective, it, it blows up as really big. Maybe Philip was on to something, I don't know. But it's just, I'm not trying to sensationalize this, but when you think about it, of how big it is, it is big. So... So let's look at it from the crowd's perspective. <clears throat> so they recognized him, and they ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of him. They had seen signs he had performed by healing the sick, and the crowd was following him. They appeared to be, you know, this is Jesus' perspective perspective on them, but they were like sheep without a shepherd. Um, and then, if we continue on, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And my printout, that line is actually under healed their sick, but that's weird how this turned out when I put it up here. Um, I don't know if they heard the disciples say, send them away, but they would have been uh, the ones sent away. They sat down in these groups, but they ate and were satisfied. 
Um, and then they recognized Jesus as the prophet who was to come. So, what do you, what do you take from the crowd's perspective? Overwhelming. A free meal. What is the first part you said to that? Okay, it's a free meal. Hmm. That's right. Yeah, um, I didn't go into that study. Um, does anybody have a thought on that? Um, he, he said that um, some think that, that this is Elijah. Is, do, does the crowd think this is Elijah, or do they actually think that this is Jesus, the one to come? Yeah. But they knew that he was the one to come. I mean, they, they acknowledged that. So whether they acknowledged it as Elijah or Jesus, they, they had some understanding based upon this miracle that he's not, you know, he, he's of God, I guess. What else? <clears throat> So these are some of the things that I came up with. Um, the needy never come at a good time. You know, Jesus was seeking solitude with his disciples. Oh, they didn't all come up, so I'll put them all in there. Um, they believed maybe you know, whether it's not a true belief. Um, they saw this miracle, but we believe and we haven't seen. And so that's one of the things that I take away. And we need to recognize the sheep that do not have a shepherd and assist them to know Jesus. And, um, you know, this concept of them being needy sick, hungry spiritually and physically. They were healed, taught, fed. And I, I took it as them confessing who Jesus was. Now, that may not be the case, but that's the way I, I took that part. Anything else from the crowd's perspective?
actually caught them before he killed them. But I agree with you. Spiritual is more important than physical. Let's look at it from the boy's perspective. I mean, think about this. He brought, he brought the food. And I just wonder how big his eyes got seeing what happened to the food that he brought. Um, if a child does something that they know their parents will be proud of. They have this such joy in them. And I wonder how much joy he had to see these five um, loaves of bread and these two fish to become this mountain of food uh, to feed everybody, to see that everyone had enough to see how much even that was left over was hundreds time more than what he brought. I, I just wonder how um, the impact it had on him. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, here, give us this food. Would you have that? It's like, well, I really don't want to. He's holding on to it.
Yeah. Um, let's see. So the boy gave all he had. He witnessed the blessing. What was accomplished only was accomplished by Jesus. Um, his five loaves and two fish fed 20,000 people up to. And But what about the boy's mom? You know, how smart was she for sending him with five loaves and two fish? So, all right. We're going to move on to Jesus' perspective. Can I say one thing about that? Yeah. Barbara was the chief stuff. Okay. It wasn't the good stuff. So, you know, he had, he, it was just in their day, I think that it would say that, you know, they weren't wealthy people. This young man didn't have a fruit-driven background. They were on the lower end because they had barbecue loads, not meat. And it was two small fish. I mean, if yeah. Okay. So this is really the best part, I think, of all of the different perspectives that we can look at. Um, in spite of what had gone on with you know, leading up to the feeding of the 5,000, I think that someone said that Jesus meets people where they need to be met earlier on. Um, He welcomes them. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began teaching them many things. And he, um, I think the biggest thing that I, I get out of this particular slide, and I want to say this before I move on to the next one, is sometimes whether we get um, overburdened, overworked, over. Um, sensationalized by things that are happening around us. Sometimes we might lose our desire of love and compassion. But Jesus doesn't. And, um, you know, it's just this desire to always want to serve and the desire to always want to be there that I, I get out of this. So I, let's move on to the second part of looking at the scriptures from Jesus' perspective. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Um, and then we have what we already talked about from Philip's perspective. How many loaves do you have? So what can you do? What can you bring me? Go and see. Bring them here to me. Um, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. So, what do we, what what can we learn from Jesus' perspective here? 
Yes, sorry. Well put. I agree 100% with that. What else? It's actually the feeding of the 4,000 that he says that, but yeah. What else? Yes. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's a good perspective. Okay. Yeah. The masterful teacher. Yeah. 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 Good point. That's a good point. You know, I, one of the points that I'm just going to comment on one of these, Jesus is use, uses people to help other people so that both are blessed. And I think that we can be on the side, on both sides at, at times, but we can be the people that are um, helping other people. So... Um, now, let's, does anything else strike you about the disciples after we consider the feeding of the 5,000? And I know we didn't look at exactly everything about the feeding of the 4,000. Um, anything strike you about this from the disciples' perspective? And I know it's a kind of an odd question, and I have something specific in my mind, but... What strikes me is it doesn't matter if the feeding of the 5,000 came first or the feeding of the 4,000, but either one, the one that was second, you would have thought that they could have figured out 
that Jesus was going to do something. And in both of them, they didn't. So um, I want to put this up real quick, some of the differences and some of the symbolism. So what's significant about the feeding of the 5,000, it was to the Jewish people. But the feeding of the 4,000 was to Gentiles. Um, Five loaves is reminiscent of the five um, books of the Jewish law. But the seven loaves that are part of the feeding of the 4,000 is, um, seven is completeness. And so this concept that's now really for Jews and Gentiles. Um, Two fish, a few small fish, and then what was left over, 12 basketfuls um, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Because they, you know, if you're thinking about numbers uh, perspective, they probably would be thinking that specifically. Maybe the 12 disciples. Again, the seven baskets, meaning completeness. And both of them show God's provision um, for and his love for all his people. And I know we're a couple minutes over time. But just some final, final thoughts. Um, Jesus has power over the physical. Nothing we face on earth is too big for God. Jesus uses his disciples to do his work. And we must trust God that he'll provide for our needs and then amplify our offerings um, to bless others. And we talked a little bit about Jesus being the bread of life. It was brought up. And then this last verse, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. And it kind of goes back to, you know, Jews and Gentiles in my mind, and that we're all part of this one body in Christ. So next week, Dan will be back, and he'll be um, going through the healing of the paralytic. If you want to take down these passages, this is what he'll be uh, looking at, as mo- among others, but this will be where the, the, the main text will come from. I, I thank you for your participation. Thanks for going through this with me, and uh, let's pray before we head on to worship. Father, we thank you for the examples in Scripture that we can see of um, you at work. We can see how uh, disciples act. Um, We can see the good and bad in that. Um, We can see how um, you have power over the physical, and you take what we have, and you can make it better. And um, just help us to be um, people that are have this um, mindset of compassion, love, and service. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.